It's summertime, and we're in our summer series here at Milestone Church. In our summer series, we'll hear from some of our staff pastors, as well as some honored guest speakers. If you're listening to Milestone Church for the first time, we want to encourage you to check out some of the best series so far this year. If you find yourself with extra time, maybe traveling for summer vacation, we highly recommend checking out our series called Happy. Happy is a three-week series we hosted in March talking about this idea of happiness, why it's so elusive, and what the Bible says about it. We'd also like to recommend checking out one of our most talked about series every year, Let's Talk Family. In this series, Pastor Jeff talks about what's often our greatest joy, but can also be our greatest source of pain, and that's family. We look at the practical ways that we can lead our families based on biblical principles. You can watch these series more at our website, milestonechurch.com slash messages. And now to this week's message. Well, as Pastor Jeff said, it's been an amazing summer. Lots of things going on around here from VBS to kids camps to middle school and high school camp. And we have a team actually right now that's wrapping up a week-long mission trip in Fort Worth at our a refugee local outreach. There's, there's people from all over the world that are in, a, in a, an apartment complex just down the road and they're, they're ministering to them. And, you know, I don't know if you realize this or not, but we had a team of 120 people go to the Amazon just a couple weeks ago. And uh, I happened to, to be able to be a part of that team. It was one of those trips. It was a trip of a lifetime. It was one of those things that I just couldn't pass up when it was presented. Uh, we said, yes, man, we would love to do that. And so we were on a boat and uh, we would float down the Amazon and we'd wake up every single morning in a new village. And uh, man, it was awesome. We saw so many people come to know Jesus. In fact, we saw about 1,257 people come to know Jesus during that week with just our team ministering to people. Uh, we saw uh, almost a couple thousand people in our medical clinics. Our, 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 our people were out ministering to, uh, you know, schools. And it was just an amazing thing. So, so many people, so many stories. But I, I want to tell you one story. And, and it's about the guy that's in uh, the center picture uh, behind me. His name is Hiro. And uh, so, one day we were out in, in, in the village, one of the villages, and we were doing ministry. We were at a particular school. And after the school assembly, uh, I saw a guy standing off to the side and he was kind of juggling and I, I was like, I was fascinated by it. I don't know if you've ever tried to juggle, but I go one, two and it drops and one, two and it drops and, and I was watching him, but I thought, man, that, this is kind of cool, you know, but he doesn't look like he's from around here and I kind of dismissed it, went, went on about my day and the thing about the Amazon is it's really hot, you know, and it's not just hot, it's humid. And so, you know, we sweated nonstop. We didn't take a shower for four days because everybody's scared to getting flesh-eating bacteria thanks to Facebook and everybody posting stuff, you know, so that messed us up. So it was baby wipes for us. And, and uh, so in the middle of, of one day, you know, when I, I'm going to be preaching every, every night at these different villages we go to. And so that night I was going to preach. And so I thought, you know what? There's a spot on the boat that nobody knows about, just but a few select uh, people and it's the only spot on the boat. In fact, I might be the only spot in the whole Amazon that has AC. It's called my room, and I think the Lord's calling me to it. And so I went up, and I got in that boat, and, you know, and got in that AC, and I said, praise God, this is awesome, you know. And uh, I'm in there, and, and I just thought, you know, I'm going to work on my message. I'm going to pray. You know, that's what the Lord wants me to do. And uh, I got convicted, and I thought, what are you doing? 
Like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. You need to be out there with the team and you need to soak in every single moment. And I was like, all right, Lord. And so I got up and I got my backpack and I got some snacks and fresh, you know, bottle of water. And I said, Lord, let's go get into something, you know. And so I was by myself and I was walking through the village and my friend Ben, that's in the picture as well, he was our videographer for the trip and he's adventurous and loves God. And I thought, I'm going to go find Ben and we're going to get into something, you know. And so I found Ben. I said, there's an encounter that God wants us to have with someone. I don't know who it is, but the Lord's going to lead us. It's like, all right, let's go. So we're walking. And all of a sudden, we head to this area, and we see the same guy that I saw in the school juggling. And we looked at each other, and we said, this is the guy. So we go up to the guy, and he's got a crowd around him, and he's juggling. And, and you know, he, we're watching him, and then all of a sudden, we engage with him. We're like, man, tell us about, about your story, you know. I saw you earlier during the day, and he's like, I'm from Columbia. He's like, I've been traveling for the last five years, and I kind of rely on, on the kindness of, of people, you know. I thought, man, you're a lot like my teenage son, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, he, you know, he's, you know, hoping that people would give him food to eat and, and give him money for a boat ride down the Amazon. And so he, he, he's there. And so um, Ben notices these tattoos on his arm, these eye tattoos, and they're all filled in. And he's like, man, tell me about your tattoos. And so Hiro says, well, these are different gods, different gods that have, that have influenced my life. And, and so we started talking to him, said, well, who is God to you? He said, well, to me, God is the big eye in the sky. God is energy. I was like, well, how do you communicate with God? Do you pray? He's like, God sends down energy and I feel it. And, and I was like, okay, well, what about Jesus? He said, well, Jesus, you know, Jesus is good. He's like, I have no problem with Jesus. He said, but Jesus is a medium. He's not God. God's here. Jesus is here. Jesus is okay. So I shared with him my story. And he's kind of like, you know, you know, through Google Translate the best we could, he's kind of looking and he's like politely just nodding his head. I said, I'll tell you what, tonight at the boat over there, we're going to have a, a, a message and worship and why don't you come and then we're going to give you some food and uh, you can go about on your way. He's like, all right, I'll be there. So we go back to the boat, get ready, preach the gospel, you know, and then we do uh, ministry time and then we walk off the boat. And then we go into the village, man, and I'm looking for Hiro. Where's he at? Where's he where? And all of a sudden, I see Hiro, and Ben is with him, and he's smiling, and I see there's joy all over him. I'm like, man, what's going on? He's like, Pastor, he's like, I now understand who Jesus is. He said, Jesus is not just a medium. Jesus is God. And he's like, God's not a big eye in the sky. God, God sent Jesus to die for me. And he said that five years I've been searching. Five years. And he says, I happen to be on this village, on this little tiny village, and you guys are here. And we met. I now know the energy I felt was the Holy Spirit. I've surrendered my life to Jesus. I thought, wow. What a powerful encounter. And we had so many encounters like that, too many to tell. This morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 18 through 22. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. This is a very familiar passage. This is the calling of the first disciples. And we're going to read this, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to look at how does this apply to our life. Verse 18 of Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother. They were casting a net into the lake, 
for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. I don't know about you, but I love watching documentaries. I'm fascinated by them, and I think Netflix does a very good job of, of capturing stories. And I started thinking about this message, and I was reminded of another documentary that I watched about a year ago. It was called Losing Sight Sure. And a powerful story unfolds in this documentary. And there were four women in 2015 who set out to do something that had never been done before. And they set out to row unassisted across the world's largest ocean, the Pacific Ocean. And um, they set off to do this. Two of the women had never rowed before in their life. Um, it took them about four years of preparation in order to get all the research done, all the logistics in place, the sponsorships. It just was a lot to put together. Um, they started off um, in San Francisco, and then they would go to Hawaii, and then from there they would uh, you know, refuel up, and they would go to the island of Samoa, and then finally they would end up in um, Australia, and the whole journey was expected to take about six months. But due to El Nino and other circumstances that were outside of their control, the journey ended up taking them uh, about nine months. And uh, you know, what they would do is they would get in Paris and every two hours um, they, would, they would exchange uh, jobs. And so for two hours, uh, two of them would row while the other two ate and slept and then two hours would come and they would do that 24 hours a day and they did that for nine months straight. About 500 miles offshore as they took off, 10 days into the journey, all of a sudden tragedy strikes and waves crashing into the boat and water gets into uh, where the batteries are and it causes an electrical fire and they put the fire out but they had to turn around and they had to go back to shore. This was another setback and after they got everything kind of situated, they headed back out. And as they headed back out, weather started to get, you know, turbulent and waves were about 40 foot tall and they didn't have really any light at night to roll by. So if it was a full moon or if the moon was out at all, then they had that light. But if there was no moon, then they would row in total darkness. They began to develop salt sores all over their body. Their hands were torn to shreds. Um, they would get seasick. They would literally row and, and, and lean over the boat and vomit. They were sick. And uh, they started to get agitated one, with one another. And the monotony of just this two hours on and off started to take its toll. But they, they, they fought through it. They built an unbreakable bond. And as that boat pulled up on the shores of Australia, they said it was the most exhilarating experience that it had ever had in their entire life. And this was the mantra that they had for this whole journey. You can, ever, you can never cross an ocean until you're willing to lose sight of the shore. You can never cross an ocean until you're willing to lose sight 
of Shore. You see, shores represent the beginning of a thing. Shores represent the starting place, it, the place of comfort and the place of safety. There's a, there's a famous quote that you've probably heard of. In fact, you've probably seen it on Pinterest or just on the, the internet. It says, a ship is always safe at shore, but that's not what it's built for. See, I believe that God created us not to live life on the edge of something, not to live life on the shores, but God created us for more. You know, after uh, a week at high school camp, um, that was literally, I, I got back from the Amazon trip and I had about four days and then I took off to high school camp. Um, right after that, we thought, you know what? You know, we're gonna go to Florida. We're gonna go to the beach and have a little bit of downtime. And, and, and I don't know why it works this way, but every time I choose to go to Florida, it's either Shark Week or there's reruns of Shark Week. And it just freaks me out, man, because I'm really fascinated by sharks. I can name hundreds of species of sharks, but like I don't wanna get entangled in their affairs in their day-to-day -day life. And so, you know, Hurricane Barry showed up and it kind of threw a wrench in our plans the first couple days of our trip. And, and we get to the beach and we're excited and along with thousands of other people and we show up at 30A, man, and it's white sand beaches and we're ready and there's double red flags. Double red flags represent like, you know, real dangerous rip currents and, and, and the waves are, you know, probably a little bit too much difficult to get out there. And so most people were just content, just hang out. After about the second day of doing that, people I think got fed up and said, you know what, I don't care about those double red flags. And so they just get in the water anyway. So about 1,500 people in the water and the lifeguards would come and kick everybody out and everybody would get out and comply, you know, and they would leave and everybody jump right back in the water. It was awesome, you know. And uh, so we had our, our, our umbrellas and our chairs and we were hanging out and, you know, one day my, my mom was out there with us and we were just having a good time and all of a sudden, man, I hear just blood curling, screaming happening. I turn around, it's my mom and she's like doing this and my first thing I said, oh no. And I started running. Jaws ain't getting me. And all of a sudden I stopped and I said, wait, it's my mom. So I turned around and <laughs> I got to go help her, you know what I'm saying? What kind of son am I? And so I get over there. She goes, my foot. And I thought, oh my God, her foot's in a shark's mouth. You know what I'm saying? She's like, I think I stepped on a stingray. I'm like, this is getting better by the moment. And uh, so I said, well, let me see your foot. And I grabbed her foot and I lifted it out. And it was a massive uh, fishing hook that was lodged deep within her foot. And uh, because she's on Facebook all the time and, and, and you know, anxiety and fear gets spread around on the internet like that, um, the first words that come out of her mouth was, I don't want to get that flesh-eating bacteria. I was like, Mom, chill out. You know, you're not going to get flesh-eating bacteria. we got to get you to the hospital. So we get her to the hospital and, you know, if she would have stayed on the shore, she wouldn't have a cool story to tell her grandkids, you know what I'm saying? So sometimes you just got to ignore and you just got to get out there. But most of us, I think, we really enjoy or like the idea of being in God's will. I believe most people have asked, hey, if you could walk in everything that God has for your life, if you could be right smack dab in the center of God's will, would you take that? And I believe that pretty much every person would say, absolutely. I want to walk in what God has for me. I, 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 want, to, I want to walk in everything that, that God wants me to do. But then as soon as the requirements would be listed out, I think most people would, would opt out. 
And the reason is because we like our comfort zones. We like the shore. We don't like to be pressed. We don't like to be inconvenienced. And we don't like it when there's a cost to pay. But I believe that comfort zones don't keep your life safe. They keep your life small. Comfort zones to us are a good thing because it's a protected place. Kind of like when there's a rip current out in the ocean, I can stand on the shore and I can look at it and I can admire it, but I don't have to get in it. As long as I'm here, I'm safe. No sharks, no dangers, I'm not gonna get swept out the sea, but God did not call you and I to live life on its shores. God has called us to walk into the things that he has for us, which means at a certain point in your life, you're gonna have to push off. You're gonna have to step out. You're gonna have to get out there. You see, we all get excited about the journey. We get excited really about the end result that we want, but we don't realize that there is a real price to pay. So the disciples in this story are living life in their comfort zone. They're living life, so to speak, on its shore. They're fishermen. They've been doing it for a very long time. They've had family members that have gone before them who have trained them and passed it down to them probably. They, this was their livelihood. This was, you know, what they knew. This was their comfort zone. And Jesus comes to them and says, I want you to leave where you're at and I want you to come and follow me. Now, I have to think that this was probably one of the most exciting days of their life. That Jesus comes to them, the Son of God, and says, come and follow me. And they step out without hesitation. They didn't try to argue. They didn't try to rationalize. They didn't try to bargain with God. They didn't try to make a deal with God. They just said, okay. But I bet at the same time, as exciting as that was, they had to be thinking, this is crazy. This is scary. I can't believe we're actually doing this, but they knew that this would be a defining moment for them. Now, everybody can relax because I don't believe that Jesus wants all of us just to leave everything in order to follow him. However, there is something in life that God is going to call us to let go of in order to make him the first priority. The thesis of this message today is, in order to walk in all that God has for you, there are things in every season of life that you must be willing to let go of. If you and I are gonna get in God's presence, if you and I are gonna seek God, which is an amazing thing, which is a great thing, which is a thing that you and I were created for, but let me tell you, it's a dangerous thing. Because as soon as you get in God's presence and you get his attention and you silence yourself enough to listen to what he has to say, he's going to ask you to leave something. He's going to ask you to let go of something. But that's the place that I believe is where God wants us to live. There are three types of people. There are graspers, grippers, and growers. Today, I want us to spend the remainder of the time talking about these three types of people. 
The first group are, are graspers. And as I was thinking about a grasper, I thought about who would really exemplify a grasper in the Bible. And I feel like this was an easy one to pick, and I chose Jacob. And Jacob, his name means supplanter or heel grabber. In fact, Jacob, when he comes out of his mother's womb, the Bible says that he had his brother's foot in his hand. He was a grasper. And Jacob, he never liked the process. He didn't want, you know, the long route, the normal route. He wanted life in the fast lane. He wanted the shortcuts. And so he's trying to make deals. He's scheming about how he can get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. But what Jacob didn't realize that it is God's process, it's God's timing, it's in the place between here and there where God does the greatest work in our life, where God gets deep into who we are, our soul and our character and begins to shape us and begins to form us. See, God is not concerned about what we can do for him. He's concerned about who we are. He's concerned more about who you are on the inside than what you could ever do for him on the outside. Graspers, they don't like the process. Now, I've got to admit, we all got a little bit of a grasper in us in the sense of no one really likes the waiting period, but it's in the waiting period where the greatest development happens. We have a saying around here at Milestone, if you kind of, you know, get your, your ear out there to listen, and the saying is, fast won't last, but slow is for show. And you gotta say it like that too. Fast won't last, but slow is for show. Now that's not good English, but that'll preach. When you look at the Bible, God's never been in a hurry. In fact, from Malachi to Matthew is 400 and something years. I mean, God is never in a hurry. God's more concerned about the process of what he wants to do. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. You see, the idea of waiting is not standing there with my arms crossed going, I'm not doing anything until God shows up and does something. I'm just going to kind of stand. Well, with that kind of attitude, I mean, God resists the proud. But waiting actually is while I'm in the process, I'm seeking God. While I'm in the waiting, my focus is on Him. While I'm in the waiting, right? I'm living life with anticipation. And in that process, the Bible says God brings strength to your life. See, when we grasp and we try to get from here to there as quickly as possible, we miss quite possibly the greatest formation of what God wants to do in our life. It's, it's the potter and the clay. He puts us on his will, and he uses his hands to shape and to form and to mold our life. You might get there fast, 
but you won't have the strength internally, you won't have the character, you won't have the integrity, you won't have the faith not only to stay, but to break through and to be able to impart it to those coming behind you. The second group of people are grippers. The rich young ruler in the Bible was a gripper. He comes to Jesus one day and he says, Master, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus looked at him and he says, well, you know, obey your father and your mother. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. He just begins to list out all the commandments and the rich young ruler, he gets excited and he says, teacher, since I've been a young kid, like I, I, I've done all these things, I've kept all these things. And Jesus looks at him, the Bible says, with love and compassion. And Jesus says, this one thing you lack. Sell everything you have, give your possessions to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. The Bible says that he walked away the rich young ruler, dejected, with his head down, never to be heard of ever again. It wasn't because Jesus was concerned that he had money. Money's simply a tool. Money comes from God. It was because he was unwilling to let go of it. You see, anytime you hold on to something greater than your willingness to hold on to Jesus, your life becomes limited. Anytime you and I are a gripper and we're holding on to where we're at or, and, and we like, we're afraid to let go of this, what you just did was you, you limited what God can do in your life. Rich young ruler was a gripper and he held on with everything that he had. Grippers are unwilling to let go because of fear. They're unwilling to let go of something good for the better thing because they're afraid that, I know this is not the best relationship. This might not be the best job. This might not be the best situation, but if I let go of this, then I'm not gonna have anything, so I'm just gonna stay on the shore, I'm gonna stay in my comfort zone, and I'm just gonna keep holding on to this because I have no idea what's on the other side, and then you've just limited your life. But God is a good God, he's a good father, and if you step out and loosen your grip on whatever it is that you're holding on to, I can promise you you can rest assured that as you push off of the start of a thing, the shore, into something new, God's not going to let you drown. God's going to be with you every single step of the way, and God has something better for you. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You see, the disciples trusted that if Jesus was asking them to let go of their nets and drop them, that he had something better. Um, you and I have to learn how to trust God that if he's asking something of us, he would never ask it without having something better for us. It doesn't make sense to pick up and move this place and start over in a new city. It doesn't make sense to uproot my kids because I feel like this is what God's saying and to put them in a new school. It doesn't make sense 
to leave this job that has been a place of security for me, but I feel God's leading me to start this job that's a passion of mine, and, 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 and it just doesn't make sense. But trusting God is saying that if he asked me to do it, he's got something better. God is not limited, except for the unbelief in our own heart. The only thing that limited Jesus in the Bible was people's unbelief. And if we live life with fear, gripping, we've just made our lives really small. The third group of people are growers. Zacchaeus was a gripper turned into a grower. At the beginning part of Zacchaeus' story, when he's introduced in the Bible, we see that he had a grip on money. He had a grip on prestige. He had a grip on power. He had a grip on control. But something happened in this gripper's life as he heard that Jesus was coming into his town and he ran ahead of the crowd and he climbed up in that sycamore tree to see what he could see. And as Jesus walks through the city and sees this very prominent, very controlling, very wealthy, short stature of a man named Zacchaeus, he had to chuckle in his heart and said, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. Today I must stay at your house. And when Zacchaeus let go of what was holding him or he had a hold on, something in his heart changed and we see that he would now live a life of not being uh, closed-fisted but being open-handed. Because he tells Jesus, he says, listen, half of what I have, I give to the poor. And he says, for all the other people that I, I treated harshly and I cheated out of money, I'm gonna pay them back too and I'm gonna add interest to it. One is a young man who has a lot of stuff who's holding it too tight, unwilling to let go. The other, an older man who has a lot of stuff that has a real encounter with Jesus and says, if I have anything good in my life, it must come from him. So I'm gonna just live open-handed. God wants you and I to live life with hands that are open. Abraham had to leave his family and where he grew up in order to become the father of faith. Moses, he left the comforts of the palace in Egypt. Rahab left behind a life of sin. Jesus, he left the majesty of heaven. The disciples, they left their jobs. The woman at the, the water well, she left her water jar. Blind Bartimaeus, he left his beggar's cloak. Paul, well, he left behind a life of status and persecuting believers. And the question that you and I have to ask ourselves is, what is it that God is asking me to let go of? See, I believe that there is a very real correlation between physical acts of obedience and spiritual release. In fact, the moment that you and I step out and get off from the shore, the moment you and I let go of whatever it is we're holding on, when Jesus says, I want that area of your life and you obey with a physical act, spiritual release begins to come to your life. Breakthrough begins to happen. And what's sad to say is in our modern church age today, we've reduced this Christian walk to feelings 
and intellectualism. We've reduced it to feelings and intellectualism. And so what happens is we feel like we're humble people. So there's no need for us to really serve. We feel like I'm a man or a woman of faith, so I don't really have to take out uh, and take that step. That's, that's from someone else. We, we feel, and that's the problem, is we feel and we don't do. The Bible says faith without works is dead. And so what God wants us to do is return to the pattern of the Bible. And when Jesus calls you to let something go, you take a physical step, you let it go, and spiritual release happens to come to your life. 1 Samuel chapter 15, 22. But Samuel replied, and he said, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice? Listen, he says, obedience is far better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. What is, what is the Bible trying to tell us? God's not wanting you to do a bunch of stuff for him. He's simply wanting you to obey whatever it is that he's telling you right now. Because in every season of life, God's gonna ask us to push off, to let go, to step out. And I'm here to tell you that like, it gets easier over time. The more you step out, the more you do this, you realize, wait, God's not gonna let me fall. He's not gonna let me you know, get hung up, he, he's there. I, I remember the first time I really felt God speak to me and, and it was, had to do with uh, pushing off from the shore. I was 19 years old when I gave my life to Jesus. I didn't grow up in church and uh, I had a real encounter with God. I had a real encounter with God where I couldn't deny it anymore. Uh, God wasn't way up there and I was way down here that Jesus was real. This is not just a, a storybook. Um, he actually is the son of God and he's still changing lives because I encountered him at the darkest hour of my life. But for the first three months of my walk with God as I, 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 I just focused on getting in his presence and seeking him and I have to admit, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what to do. I was reading the Bible. I didn't understand what I was reading, but I just kept showing up. I just kept showing up in the secret place and saying, God, I need to know who you are because I don't even know who I am. And he began to speak to me. And the thing that God spoke to me was, I want you to leave where you're at and I want you to move to Texas and I want you to go and uh, I've got different things that, that, that I have laid out for you. And, and uh, I was like, There's, that's crazy. I'm like, this is everything I've ever known. This is my family, this is where I grew up, this is my heritage, leave. And for three months, I couldn't get rid of it. And finally, I said, man, I've already, I've already like counted the cost. When I gave my life to Jesus, I basically said, I'm going all in or I'm not doing it at all. And so I said, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it, you're good. And so I said, you know, to a friend, take me to, to the bus station and, and I had a duffel bag uh, of clothes that I, I had and I bought a one-way ticket on the Greyhound bus. And I'm gonna tell you, as a 19-year-old kid, that was the scariest decision I ever made in my life. That was the most difficult decision I ever made. I was excited about what was in store, but I was scared to death. I had no idea that me stepping out from the start of a thing and pushing out into the deeper waters of whatever God had for me, that one decision, as scared as I was, that one decision opened up every other opportunity and door that God would ever bring in my life. A few years later, God came to me again. 
And we were in a season, my wife and I, where we knew we were called to full-time ministry. We felt like, um, you know, there was another step. And then along comes Pastor Jeff, and, and uh, we go to Abilene, where he had a church that was growing and thriving. A lot of college students were being reached. Military people were being reached. And, and uh, she led worship, and he began to sell us on the vision. I mean, sorry, he would cast vision to us. And, and he started talking about discipleship. And I'm like, discipleship? Like, what is that? There, I know there's 12 disciples, but what's discipleship? And he's like, coaching, man. It's coaching. I'm like, okay, I got it, I got it. Started talking about spiritual families. Started talking about we're not just a mob of people. We're a group of people who want to do life. I'd never heard that before in my life. And I felt like this could possibly be the next step that God had for us. But I went home. And I fasted and I prayed for 30 days. And I said, God, you got to show up. You got to speak to me. And then God spoke. And then we took the step and it was a little bit easier. And then about two years later, as we're kind of getting our stride in Abilene, he comes to Betsy and I and 32 people and he's like, hey, we're going to take another step and we're going to go to Keller and we're going to plant this church. And I thought, I feel like I'm just getting some traction, but you know what, let's go ahead and do it. And it was easier. What am I trying to say? None of us get away from this process. In every season of life, God's asking you to let go of something because he has something better. It might be different than what you think, but here's what we all need to remember. God is outside of time. We're here living life kind of like this. God is outside of time. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He sees the end from the beginning. He knows exactly where you need to go. So why not just live life open-handed and go, okay, God, if this is the step you want me to take, I need to uproot my family and move because of my new job, but I also feel like there's a place, a church that you want me to get connected with, but I'm still holding on to where I've come from. I'm going to let go. Maybe you're here and the step simply for you would be, I'm tired of letting fear keep me on the shores of life. I'm tired of looking out into the ocean and seeing other people, you know, tell all these stories and and I want to have my own stories. That was me. I'm like, I don't want to just read about it in a book. I don't want to just hear about it in a message. I want my own stories. I, I want my own encounters. I want my own experiences. Hence Hiro, the guy I was telling you about. I want my own encounters, God. I don't want to just read about it. I don't want to stand before God one day and go, man, I had so much more for you, but you stayed on that shore. I would rather drown attempting to do something great for God and step out than to stay safe on that shore and my life be small. I don't know about you. Our steps might not be moving. It might not be something big. It might be simply for some of you. You next weekend, after the service, you need to go get in the growth track. And you need to stop letting fear hold you back. And you need to let people get to know who you are because you have a lot to offer. You have a lot to contribute to the body. You have a lot to to bring to the table. So you step out and you go get connected and your next step from that might be, I'm gonna get one of those small groups they talk about over here at Milestone all the time in the fall and I'm gonna jump in and I'm gonna do that. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I know it's scary, I know it's difficult, but sometimes we just gotta put ourselves out there. Then maybe it's like, you know what, I'm gonna serve in an environment. I've got gifts to contribute and I'm gonna do that. Maybe maybe you're holding on to a relationship and, and maybe it's good, but it's not God's best. Maybe God is saying, you know what, you need to let go of that. I got something better. Maybe you're here and there's a relationship, like maybe a family relationship or a working relationship you really can't let go of. But what you can let go of is how you relate to that person. 
the obligations that you've picked up in that relationship that are probably unhealthy. I, I don't know where you're at today, but here's what I do know. If we're gonna walk with God, steps are required. Things are gonna have to get dropped. Things are gonna have to be let go of. And if we do that, and we live life, not as a grasper, not as a gripper, but as a grower, let me promise you this. You're gonna walk in every single thing that God has for your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we ask that you would help us, Lord, to have the strength and the courage to take you at your word, knowing that, God, you're going to meet us every single step. Help us to push off of the shores. Help us to, Lord, push back fear, because we know that, God, that you have something good for us on the other side. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.